Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. To be decisive about what you want to accomplish and really have confidence in yourself and your plan. I think if you have believability, it lends credibility and believability to people if you have absolute confidence in what you're doing. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, I'm pleased and honored to be introducing you to Trevor McGregor. You recognize his name. He's been on the show multiple times. Just search Trevor McGregor, Joe Fairless, and you'll hear his interviews that I did with him, and he had a lot of value during those interviews. Well, he's had a lot of value in my life. For the last five years, I have hired him to be a consultant to help me with my real estate business and just personal stuff too as a life slash business coach. And he's taken my game to a different level. Before I hired him, I had four single family homes. And oh, by the way, I was also single. Fast forward to today, my company controls over $300 million worth of real estate, and I am happily, happily married. Clearly, results are going to vary, but he has helped me in five years do things that I didn't even have on my radar. So I suggest that you speak to Trevor McGregor if you're looking to take your real estate investing business to the next level. If you've had success and are looking to build on that success, then he's your guy. Go to trevormcgregor.com or coachwithtrevor.com and you'll be able to apply for a conversation with him, coachwithtrevor.com. We used to do a free consultation. We got too many free consultations and he actually is pretty full with his consulting program and he's very conscientious about the value that he adds. He wants to add tremendous value. So he's being very selective with the people who he does work with. So go to coachwithtrevor.com and apply to have a conversation with him. And then you two can decide if it makes sense to work together or not and hire him as a consultant. It has impacted my life in a tremendously positive way. Him and his wife have gone to my wedding. Trevor's been to my conference a couple years. And I know him well. And I suggest that you get to know him as well. Coachwithtrevor.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Tamar Mar. How you doing, Tamar? I'm so great, Joe. Thanks for having me here today. Well, I love that. Great to hear. And my pleasure. A little bit about Tamar. She's a multifamily investor who controls over $6 million worth of real estate. She's invested in over 500 units of multifamily properties. She's also the host 
of Investing for Life podcast. She spent 20 years in the startup arena as a COO for prominent companies in fintech and also in real estate. And this year, Tamara shifted her focus to the acquisition of underperforming commercial and multifamily properties. So with that being said, Tamara, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, I sure do. Funny fact about me is I actually purchased my first house when I was 19 years old because I was hyper responsible since the time I was about four. And most 19 year olds don't buy a house, but I saw an opportunity and I took it up. I've had rentals for over 15 years now. And about four years ago, I started scaling up my investing business. At that time, I had been working in the corporate arena and just something inside of me said, you know what, I need to have my own business someday. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted it to be. But after many conversations with my husband and some other folks, I realized that real estate was something that I was really interested in and pursuing the opportunity to eventually have an empire that my family could live off of, so Mm -hmm. to speak. So I rapidly ramped up that. My husband and I and our three kids started buying houses on auction, sight unseen. We did that for about three years where we would purchase them, renovate them, turn them into rentals. But at some point, I realized about a year and a half ago that I wasn't going to reach my passive income goals quite fast enough with the single family houses. So at the end of last year, I decided to leave my corporate environment job and pursue investing full-time in both the business and real estate space. So I bought a company last year, a high-end specialty fitness equipment retail company almost one year ago. And then I moved into the syndication space. And since then, I have closed on three, well, I'm closing on my third apartment deal within seven months as of January. Wow. A lot to dive into here. Let's go with the leaving the corporate job and buying a high-end specialty fitness retail company. Did I write that down correctly? You sure did, Joe. What, What is that exactly? What does that mean? It's a company that had been around in the Pacific Northwest. I'm in the Seattle area for about 40 years. And the current owner, he was just tired and wanted to get out. He was in his 70s. And my cousin worked there for a number of years. So the business, we provide high-end fitness equipment for people's home gyms. So think of really, really nice commercial-like equipment. And then we also provide equipment in the commercial arena, such as hospitality, apartments, like police officers, gyms, corporate gyms, boot camps, that sort of stuff as well. Okay. And that's a brick and mortal, mortal, brick and mortar <laughs> business? It's probably mortal as well. You're right, right, yeah. <laughs> Let's let's hope it's not. Let's hope it's immortal, right? (laughs) It's a brick and mortar business. We have one retail location and then we also go out and visit clients in the commercial arena as well. Okay. So you purchased a brick and mortar business and you also are doing syndication simultaneously. What type of syndication are you doing? I am looking at underperforming multifamily assets. My goal originally in March of last year was to do three apartment buildings that were somewhere between the 12 to 24 unit size within 18 months or so. So by the end of 2018, I wanted to start off a little bit smaller just to make sure that I had the experience that I needed and I wasn't planning on bringing any key principals in or partners to help me out at the time. And that was what my comfort level was. So now I've ramped up. The deal I'm working on right now is a 37 unit, and I plan to move up to larger properties after that. Cool. Have you syndicated a deal yet? 
Yes, I have syndicated. I'm on my third one right now. On your third one. What were the first two? The first two were properties that were about five hours away from my house, four and a half, five hours away. One of them was a 15 unit. And that one was fantastic. It was about $300 a door under market on the rents. Not a ton of deferred maintenance, but we really needed to go in and clean up the units, make them a little bit more presentable. We thought that there would only be about five of the 15 that would vacate after we raised the rents. And we indeed were correct in the first month and then uh, proceeded to have about 10 people total that vacated. So we've just finished up, renovated all of those And we're getting ready to do a refi after owning it for just about nine months. And we bought that one for $8.25. And now it's worth probably about $1.25 after the renovations. Wow, $8.25. It's worth $1.25 million. And how much did you put into it? Not a ton. I think we've put in about $35,000 to it so far. How much you put down? Do you remember? We put down about $300. No, Uh, $275, $300. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 300 divided by 825, that's about 30, 30, all in probably 36%. What type of loan did you get? We got a full recourse loan on that one, and it was with a community bank, a credit union. When we refinance, we should be able to get a non-recourse debt on that one. It sounds like you're going to get close to be able to refinance all the money or most of the money that you put into it. Yes, which is so exciting because my original plan was to be able to do a refi after probably three years. So I'm really pleased that we'll be able to do that for our investors on such an accelerated timeline. Yeah, that's great. You've got the 15 unit and you have investors. How many investors do you have on the 15 unit? I think we had about seven. Seven. And for someone starting out wanting to do a syndication, they're always curious, or at least I was curious, about how other people met their investors. So how did you meet your investors? Not looking for names, but just how did you meet them? Some of them were closer friends and family. We had a relative. We had a coworker of my husband's. We had a couple of good friends. And then I am very active in the local real estate clubs in my community. So I go to between four and seven of them a month. So I also met some of my investors in those arenas. You go to four to seven meetups a month? Something like that. Wow. You're based in Mercer Island, right? Yeah. yeah. Is that, how far is that from downtown Seattle? I am about eight minutes from downtown Seattle. Oh, okay. Hop, skip, and yeah. a jump. Okay. Yeah. So, you're, yeah. so imagine, is it all Seattle-centric meetups that you go to? They're all over the Puget Sound region. Some of them are about 20 to 30 minutes south of where I live. I try to only, actually, I only go to ones that are within 30 minutes of my house. There's ones that are all over the Puget Sound, but I have a family and three kids, and I don't want to <laughs> four hours driving to a meetup, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, that's incredible. Four to seven meetups a month, that's on average at least one a week that you go to. So you just block that out in your calendar the month prior, or is it just you go on a whim and say, I'm available, let me go do this? Usually it's blocking it out on my calendar. I think the seven, that's a really high number. And like this month I'm doing a capital raise. So it's, Mm -hmm. I'm going to as many as possible to make new connections. So definitely on the high end. Yep. Imagine, but I have kids sporting events all the time to go to, and I don't like missing those. So I try to plan them around what I have going on with our family at the house. 
with the 15 unit, why did you do a syndication versus a joint venture? I guess in all the time that my husband and I were doing the purchases of houses on auction, we were using our own capital for that. We were using our HELOC. We have a pretty extensive HELOC between two houses that we own. So we hadn't ever really needed to look for outside capital. When I moved into the multifamily investing space, I hadn't built up a network of friends, families, investors that I could go to because we hadn't really had those conversations with people before. So I didn't have somebody else that I could go to to say, hey, do you want to bring 200000 to the table? Most of the people that I was talking to were more comfortable at the $50,000 range. How much does it cost to put the legal documents together for the syndication on the 15 unit? I think I paid between seven and 800000 for it. Sorry, I'm not... No, 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 that's not right. <laughs> Between seven and eight thousand. My I, goodness. I just I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> you should have seen my mouth. I was like, oh I almost ate my microphone. My mouth That's so a wide. really good attorney that I have right there. Yeah, yeah. Bulletproof, baby. Bulletproof. Okay. Seven to eight thousand dollars. Is that a local attorney? No, he's actually on the East Coast and he specializes in SEC. Who'd you use? Stephen Rinaldi. Okay. And how'd you come across the attorney? I came across him through a podcast. I think I heard him on Michael Blanc's podcast uh, about a year ago. So you got the 15 unit and how did you structure it with investors? We did a 75-25 split. Uh, It's just straight profit sharing, no preferred returns on that one. Okay. And now what about the second deal? Yes. The second deal, I actually got something under contract right after that first one closed and I ended up getting rid of it. I walked away from the deal because of some information that came out in the due diligence period. And then I quickly got an off-market deal. What came came out? What happened? Well, I was reviewing the finances and it was through a wholesaler and it had taken a really (laughs) long time for them to get us all the due diligence documents. And they hadn't disclosed all of the electric expenses that they had, which were built into the rents. So we found out there was about $25,000, $30,000 worth of electrical expenses that there was no way that we could make it up. And it dropped our returns to probably like five or 6%. So Mm -hmm. it just didn't make sense. And how much, if any money, did you lose as a result of getting that far? Nothing, because I did all of my financial due diligence before I even moved forward with a walkthrough or an inspection. So I was thrilled that I hadn't lost any money on that deal. Wow. All right. Great. So that didn't work out, but then... But then I moved into an off-market deal also in Spokane, which is about five hours away from my home here. And, (laughs) oh, this one is a treat. It's a 16-unit. It is a little bit of a shady property. It doesn't have the best reputation in town, although it's in a very nice area that's just right on the edge of a new community that has built out a couple of giant casinos that are providing about 5,000 new jobs. So I'm not concerned about it just because it's one of those junky properties in a nice neighborhood sort of a thing. So we are going to move forward in a couple weeks here to essentially vacate the whole entire property systematically, building by building, and do um, entire renovation inside and outside. And we'll be able to really accelerate the returns on that property as well. 16 unit. What were the numbers on that one? We put in an offer for 875, which was quite a bit above asking. And then we got it down to 762, 
because of all the renovations that needs to be done, um, housing authority had been called on the property. It, it was in that bad of a shape. You said 875 was quite a bit above what they were asking? Yeah, they were asking, I think, 800 originally. But since I had just closed on another property that was similar to that, I knew what the market was like and what it would take to get the deal. So we went in over asking to win the bid. Oh, okay. So really, there's no downside other than potential reputation if you negotiate or retrade and they don't agree and they're like, hey, you went in with bad intentions. You just went in to get the deal. So no financial loss or potential loss there. No, nope, uh, and we actually got seller financing on that one through the whole deal. So that's also fantastic. Was that originally part of the deal or did that come through the due diligence? That came out just because we didn't think we were going to be able to get conventional financing with all of the work that needed to be done on the property. For instance, we had original electrical panels. It was a military barracks that were turned into an apartment <laughs> Wow. So the whole electric needs to be renovated, torn out, and I can't even list everything that needs to be done. So we just figured we wouldn't be able to get conventional financing with ease. So we went to the sellers, asked if they'd do it, and they were actually quite open to that idea. And what type of financing did you get with them? I think we put about 22% down and 6% was our interest rate and it was for a period of 18 months. So it'll take us probably five to six months to do the whole renovation process and then stabilize the property. So we should be able to get conventional financing on that within nine months. Are there residents living at the property? Yes, there are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm picking up what you're putting down on with that comment. If they're on a 12-month lease, then how can it only take five to six months to do the renovation? That particular property had been prepped for sale. About a year and a half prior to the sale, there was a fire that burnt down an entire building. And I think the owners were ready to get out. So they were prepping it by putting everybody on month-to-month leases. We do have two tenants that are on some housing authority contracts, which may be a little bit more difficult. And I think two tenants that are on a 12-month lease. We're just going to try to do some cash for keys, see what we can do there. Or as we rotate through the different buildings and renovations, we'll offer to put them in one of the newly renovated buildings if their lease hasn't come up yet. How many buildings are there with the 16 unit? There's just three. Got it. Mm -hmm. And now the third deal, and well, before we move on to the third one that you're working on right now, what's the structure on this one with investors? So actually, I guess this one isn't a true syndication. This is more of a partnership. Though I'm the managing partner of this deal, I have two limited partners who are friends of ours, co-workers of my husband's that are good friends. And so we did a 75-25 split between limited and general partnership, but my husband and I were able to get in at about 70% of this deal in total. Sweet. Okay. And then it's just profit sharing, no preferred or anything like that. Yeah. Cool. As far as your lessons learned with the 15 unit and the 16 unit, what are some of the things you've taken away from those experiences? I think that my risk tolerance has really gone up and I'm willing to see things in a different light. And I think my days of doing houses on auctions really prepped me for that, but I'm able to see beyond the mold in the walls and shabby conditions. And I'm really looking at how I can create a new community and a clean, safe 
place where people can create memories together in a nice home. So that's one thing is to look past the ugly. But another thing is that I am just really getting a crush on this multifamily investing because I'm realizing how quickly you can print money, so to speak, by just improving the operational efficiencies of one of these assets. And that's the key that you're doing. And it's something I want to talk a little bit more about the operational efficiencies and how your, especially on the 16 unit, the 15 unit, you said there wasn't a lot of deferred maintenance, but this 16 unit, clearly it's going to be a lot of heavy lifting literally and figuratively, how do you structure your team so that you're getting that done? I mean, are you the one swinging the hammer? (laughs) No, (laughs) although I'm not afraid of it, but I can't do that when I have a property that's five hours away. On this particular one, I think it's all about trusting your team. I have a fabulous real estate broker who has connections all over the state, and he has introduced me to some really key people to help me move my business forward. So I'm thrilled to have a property manager out there to pull on to this second deal. And I really trust him. Then I'm using a contractor that they're going to go in and essentially move into one of the buildings while they're renovating it. So I'll probably go out there once a month to check in on how everything's going. And I'm going to be hands-on with the design and all of that, but I will not be swinging any hammers, my friend. (laughs) And just so I'm understanding, if you're literally meant this or not, is the contractor literally living in the building while he or she is working on it? I'm not sure entirely how that's going to work. I know they've done that in other deals, but we haven't moved out all of the details on it. Okay. All right. I was just curious because if a contractor said, hey, Joe, don't worry, and I'm going to crash there, because my question to the contract is like, well, are you currently homeless? And if so, tell me your story because it speaks to perhaps some life choices. Maybe not. Maybe just bad luck, but most likely some life choices. Okay. That's the 15 unit and the 16 unit, and now you're working on the 37 unit that you're currently in the process of closing on, yes? Yeah, correct. So that opportunity came up right after I got back from vacation, and I heard about the deal, and the neat thing was we were able to walk the property before putting in an offer, and I cleared my whole schedule so I could do it, because as you know, that doesn't happen very often. (laughs) So I walked into it and the great thing about that particular asset was that unlike most of the apartments that I've walked through over the last couple of years that have been in complete disarray, this was not. It was well taken care of. It didn't have a lot of deferred maintenance. It just had a brand new roof. The units were well taken care of and renovated to some degree as they were vacated. And I felt really good about the way that it was in the repair of it. So anywho, it's a stabilized asset and there isn't a ton of upside in the rents, if much at all. It's pretty close to market rates, but where we're able to make some benefits here for our investors is, again, improving the operational efficiencies by decreasing the expenses because the expense ratio is very high on this particular property. I think it was about 65, 67%. What should it be? I always calculate around 50% in my forecasts. Should be able to get it less than that. Is that what you're seeing your 15 unit at around 50%? No, I'm seeing that about 35, 37%. But this is an older property. It was a hospital that was built in 1926 and (laughs) down in a historic downtown area and it was converted to apartments in the mid 90s. So it's so charming. (laughs) (laughs) It has hallways and elevators that'll fit a gurney in it. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
So we do have a little bit higher expenses in that because we have an elevator and it is a bit of an older property as well. And just for the best ever listeners who are doing some math at home and they heard me say invested over 500 apartments and then they calculated these three. So you've also invested passively in some deals first and now you're syndicating, yes? Yeah, that's true. So we've invested previously in the past in some retirement communities that we've gotten out of. And then we've also invested in passive opportunities, including one of your deals. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever is to be decisive about what you want to accomplish and really have confidence in yourself and your plan. I think if you have believability, it lends credibility and believability to people if you have absolute confidence in what you're doing. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Heck yeah. All right. Well, heck yeah. Let's do it. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you want to hire the guy who I hire to help me with my real estate investing business, then go to coachwithtrevor.com. That's coachwithtrevor.com. Running your real estate investments as a business is an important ingredient to your success. Pillars of Wealth Creation Podcast will help you get there. Host Todd Dexheimer interviews successful entrepreneurs to discover how to build financial freedom with a focus on business and real estate. Check out pillarsofwealthcreation.com and subscribe today. All right, best ever book you've read? Best ever book I've read is Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill. Best ever deal you've done? Ooh, I really like that first multifamily deal in Spokane, the 15 unit. How come? Because it showed me the power of investing in the multifamily space and just having diligence and moving forward and crushing your goals. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Ooh, I don't know. I feel like sometimes all these things blur together and I can't think of a great answer for that. (laughs) (laughs) If you could do something different on go with the 16 unit so far that you didn't do, what's one little tactical thing that you could do different, you would do different? I think I probably would have gone out to the property to see it first. I hadn't seen it before I put in an offer on it. And I thought there might be a potential to build some extra facilities on it. For instance, some self-storage because it's quite a large lot. It's three parcels. But then when I got there, I realized, oh, there's a giant self-storage facility right across the street. So it (laughs) kind of crushed that dream. But I, I hadn't driven by it yet. Best ever way you like to give back. Oh, I love listening. I like listening to others' needs and to see where I can add value. And how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? You bet. They can visit investingforlifepodcast.com to be connected to my podcast or my website, which is Marota Group, M-A-R-O-T-A Group.com. Okay. And Marota Group is in the show notes. So best ever listeners, you can just click that and check it out. Well, Tamar, thank you for being on the show and talking about these case studies. And you walked us through the details of these case studies, the 15-unit property, the numbers behind the property, the business plan. And congratulations on this upcoming refinance. I mean, you're getting out most likely all or most of the money that you all put into it. And you're putting more long-term conservative debt on it. And then the 16-unit I recommend journaling on this one. It sounds like you're going to have some more good stories with the 16 unit. (laughs) That's going to be a lot of fun to listen to stories about that as that continues to evolve as well as good luck with your 37 unit. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon.
My absolute pleasure. Thanks, Joe. Running your real estate investments as a business is an important ingredient to your success. Pillars of Wealth Creation Podcast will help you get there. Host Todd Dexheimer interviews successful entrepreneurs to discover how to build financial freedom with a focus on business and real estate. Check out PillarsOfWealthCreation.com and subscribe today.